Good evening. How y'all doing? Ready for another Saturday night Jazz Lounge live session. Hope y'all doing good. I'm bringing in. We ain't gonna waste no time tonight. We got a special guest tonight. We have uh, Paul Davis that's running for governor of Virginia tonight. But first things first, got to bring in my crew, bring in my boy, Mr. Madison Downs. What's happening, babe? What's going on? What's going on, man? How you doing? Nothing much, nothing much. Miss LaVita, the model Jones. Peace, peace, peace. What's up, what's up? And we got the Mercedes guy. Went out and bought him a new Mercedes today, Mr. Don Dobro. What's up, brother? What's up? And, 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 and uh, he's cheering to it. And he's cheering to it, too. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt. All right, so like I said, we got uh, Mr. Paul Davis. We're going to bring him in in a little bit. Um, but we got Paul Davis, Virginia candidate for governor. And, and and like I said, everybody get a chance on my show, okay? Everybody don't get a chance in everywhere and every venue and everybody's show. And we're going to talk about uh, one specific um, thing later and later tonight. But everybody don't get a shot. You know, on the Radical Republican show, everybody get a chance to talk to the people. Everybody get a chance to let everybody know who they are and what they can do for the people because you never know, right? And so um, before we get started, of course, we're going to say hello to everybody. Hello, Ada. What's happening? And our Canadian connection, Miss Annie Green. What's happening, Annie? We in the Lions Den tonight, no doubt, no doubt. And uh, we're going with hello, Sarah. Hello. Hello, Jocelyn. You should bring in Sergio De La Pena. Hey, get the word out to him. Hey, we we uh put the word out. Anybody's welcome. He has an invitation to come on, have him get in touch with me. And we'll bring him on too. We'll bring on Sergio De La Pena as well. You know, hello, Ben. What's up, hey, best Kathy. person ever? Hello, Kathy. How you doing? Hello, hello. Um, so um yeah, <laughs> excuse you. God bless you. God bless you. All right, so I'm just working on stuff. Y'all know I produced on show, so it's happening. What's up, Miss Emily Peterson? How you doing? How you doing? What's up, Jonathan? What's going on? South Florida, Ada from South Florida. There we go. Taking care of sis. Well, I hope your sis is doing good. Hope your sis is doing good. So, uh, how was y'all week, Miss Levita? Uh, had a had a marathon show again last night. I was on for a little bit. I had to go to sleep. It was long, <laughs> but she had that marathon again last night. Like I said, if y'all don't, uh, if y'all haven't checked out Levita's show, y'all need to go check it out. It'd be pretty deep, so y'all gotta gotta be ready to talk about some uh, some heavy stuff over there as well. Um, so I tell you what. So Don, how's the Mercedes, man? It's good. It's we good. uh we didn't know if we were gonna get it or not, but uh. Went up there, looked at it, liked it, pulled the trigger. There we so. go. That's what's up. What's up, Chaz? Upstate New York. Like I say, man, we get viewers from all over the nation. We nationwide, worldwide here in the Neurotic Republican show. All right, so what we got, since we got we got like three guests tonight, y'all. We we have um, uh, Virginia Marine. We're going to talk about some politics. And we also have a Mr. Let me see. Did I have? Oh, I didn't save his banner, Madison. Give me his name again. Tim, Tim Bradshaw. Tim Bradshaw. And Tim Bradshaw is the uh he's the chair, he's the Republican chair for Suffolk Franklin County, committee chair um for Suffolk and Franklin County, right? That's right. Okay. And we're gonna have him on tonight. 
All right, so without any further ado, we're going to bring on Mr. Paul Davis, who so is a uh, candidate. Hey, Mally, candidate for governor, and he fell off. I don't know where Paul went. <laughs> Paul, you fell off. Um, okay, so we'll just keep moving till he comes back. Lost him somehow. He was just in the back room, um, but lost him. All right, so anyway, let's talk about how y'all week doing. Who's Who had a good week? John, why do you think we see double standards? Okay, hold on. Okay, Paul Davis back. Okay, we're asking this one question right here with Jamie. John, why do you think we see double standards, like you said, with people calling out people but ignoring stuff like blackface and people who wore robes and like calling the Capitol riot and Trump supporters white supremacists and extremists but not calling out Antifa and other extremists? Why do you, what do you feel the agenda is? Some people feel the Democrat leaders want to cause a civil war. Do you think that's true? How do you see people coming together? Why do you think Democrat voters can't? All right, that's a lot. <laughs> Ooh, that's a lot. Well, I tell you this. Okay, in one word, we have fake ass people trying to do fake ass things and don't care about the people. They only really care about themselves. Okay, and uh, and they want to keep division, you know, amongst us because once we find out who the true enemy is, you know, um, then then the people come together. In my opinion, um, they don't want to call out Antifa and other extremists because they're scared as hell. They're scared that they're going to come to their house or something and and, and they are part of the agenda. The uh, agenda is um, to promote communism, bring communism to the United States. In my opinion, that's that's uh, the, the bottom agenda. I think uh, people feel Democrat Democrats do want to cause a civil war. That's why they want to keep that cage up around D.C. If you guys didn't uh, hear about it, they want to. Uh, make the uh, that cage around the Capitol permanent, and so yeah, so I do think that's true because they because they keep uh, pushing that towards the fact they keep sending our money overseas and not giving it to the people. You see what they're doing with the one point nine trillion dollar stimulus that they passed in the middle of the night. They want to throw a fifteen dollar dollar minimum wage embedded in it, and and just some other things, and also um, uh, and, but but none of that money is coming down to the people. So how do I see the people come together? Wait, we have to. We have to see. Everybody got to wake up. Everybody got to deprogram themselves. Too much programming going on. There's too much um, uh, just hate. It's too much hate going on and not really. People just have to open their eyes and really see what's going on and see what the Democrats are doing um, to promote this racism. You know, and like I say, I say we don't have a racism problem in America right now. You know, if we did, we wouldn't be here, you know, right now. Um, I wouldn't be getting censored. You know, and Madison wouldn't be getting shadow banned like we are on Facebook and things like that. Levita wouldn't be getting kicked off her show, you know, <laughs> and things like that because we'll be talking about some heavy stuff. Um, I so wouldn't be, I wouldn't be on Twitter account number six. Exactly. So, <laughs> all right. So that's my take on it. Any, anybody else want to uh, cover that real quick before we get to Paul? I mean, I think that there's a to say there's not a racism problem in America. I think that only people who are uninformed are swayed by that you know so it's the same trick that the elites have been using forever uh to try to turn americans against each other they'll turn uh people who uh are working you know the average joe against someone simply because they uh or don't look like them or you know feel like they want to make them feel like they're in a different class or something like that so it exists to say that it doesn't exist is a lie but the, the way to 
not be influenced by it is to be educated to know where it's coming from and who it's coming from. And those are the Democrats primarily. So, right. Well, and I, I had a talk with uh, my son yesterday and we were discussing this and I told him, I said, if you look at it, the people who are calling us racist and the people who are calling us misogynist and the people who are calling us bigots are the racist misogynist bigots. Right. And they flip that on you to right. try and make you look like the bad guy so that they can get garner their support. And so I told him, I said, the only thing we can do is continue to point it out, continue to act the way we act. And eventually people are going to wake up because there's two options last November, either the election was fraud or America's full of some dumb motherfuckers. Right. Facts. What's up, Seiko? I mean, you, you look at what happened to Merrill. Right. right. Yeah. We're going to get to that whole, hey, Madison, hold, hold that, hold that. You got a race, though. I mean, you know, you can't, you can't ignore it. We'll get to it later. Hey, 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 go right down the list. I have that on the list. I have that one on the list tonight, bro. All right, y'all. So here we go. Okay. We're going to bring in Paul Davis, candidate for governor of Virginia Beach. And uh, I mean, uh, Virginia, not Virginia Beach, Virginia candidate for Governor Paul Davis. And Paul, hey, Paul, welcome to the Radical Republican Show. How you doing? Welcome, everybody. Uh, glad to be here. Uh, Jerome, Madison, Levita, Don, thank y'all for having me out on this fantastic podcast. Y'all do. I've watched it several, several times. And I'm an avid fan of y'all's podcast, Jerome, and, and uh, appreciate the opportunity to come out and uh, be able to speak to the Virginians about what's important to Virginia. And, uh, you know, one of the first questions everybody asks is, who are you? Because <laughs> nobody knows who I am. So a little bit about me is I was born and raised in Norfolk, Virginia, uh, attended Norfolk Christian High School, graduated class of 81, attended Thomas Nelson and ODU for a year each before going into the business field a successful car guy in the car business for uh, 15 years and then management for 10 and uh, went on to open my own business. And we are in the apparel uh, swag business. We, we do logo apparel for businesses and uh, campaigns by the way. And uh, so, and we're quite successful at that. So with that said, my grandfather, my biological sixth great grandfather, was a guy named John Adams who happened to write the Declaration of Independence and a little document called the United States Constitution with Thomas Franklin and Ben and Benjamin Thomas Jefferson and Benjamin Franklin, excuse me, and a little room in Philadelphia. And uh, seeing that the family documents are being trampled on by the current administrations of both Virginia and the United States. I feel it was time for the family to uh, have a representative speak up and say, enough is enough. You know, the constitution is something we don't mess with. A lot of y'all don't know even why I'm running. The reason I'm running is my mom's property is being stolen for the 264-64 project ongoing. 
and we have an original deed to the property before 1957 when we bought it. There was no interstate. My grandfather's name is on the original people who they purchased land from. Uh, we have a contract that they breached by taking more land than they purchased. And so we've got them. People are going to find out who I am, and so is Ralph Northam. I'm the guy that's about to put them in jail. But y'all keep watching that part when the news starts taking hold. But that's why I ran to protect my mother and uh, other Virginians. I've got 25 neighbors who've had property and water rights stolen from them. And we've got seven so far in the class action lawsuit. And uh, this is why I'm running. River Forest Shores in Norfolk has been attacked by the government of Virginia. And our neighborhood is, is fighting back as best we can. And I decided that my opportunity to run for governor would give this neighborhood a voice. One man just, can let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Let me cut you off right there. Let me ask you a question. Okay, so so other than your neighborhood and other than your friends, what is your policy? What is your um what is your platform to help all Virginians in the state of Virginia? Thank you very much, Drum. That's a great question. And I and I wanted it. That's where I was going next. You know. Obviously, the Constitution of the United States is important for me. And Virginia currently, until March 1st, is closed from midnight to 5 a.m. Now, in a free Virginia, there is no closing from midnight to 5 a.m. where citizens can't walk the beach and hold hands and look at the sunrise or kiss after coming out of a restaurant and walk on the beach at midnight. You know, never in the history of Virginia before has this ever happened. So it's important for me, for Virginians to be free. Secondly, criminal justice reform. Prison reform, the jails and prisons need to be safer. We've got people dying in prison. We're hearing about in the news. That's not safety in prison. We need to look into that better. We need to make sure these people, even though you know they're in our care, even though they did wrong, we need to make sure we're giving them the proper kind of care. We also need legal system reform. You know, anytime that a person like myself is having trouble getting documents into a courtroom that actually support the Constitution of the United States, it's time for legal system reform. So, and then of course, you know my plan to legalize marijuana. And so I would eliminate no tolls, no public tolls in Virginia by the use of the marijuana profits. We would pay, be able to pay the toll, that's crazy toll, $56,000 to collect tolls they ain't collecting. That's the craziest contract I've ever heard of. So we would, pay, we would have to pay it off, but we would pay it off and then we would move on to go ahead and manage the toll system without it because we've got the marijuana, put $50 million a year away every 10 years, we'd have what they have now So to do the project so we can self-fund. Uh, then in, the other one would be the small business plan with the legal marijuana. And we would give all small businesses the opportunity to get a license. Right now, we need to do everything we can to save small business in Virginia. I would extend bar hours to 3 or 4 a.m. for a couple of years to make up for the lost hours so they can get back on their feet. I would, I would allow them to be first in line to get licenses to sell marijuana. Uh, that way we can help save the small business based around the corner from you where they're closest to you and you would have availability to it. Environmental safety. 
You know, the Chesapeake Bay is is vital. The fish we live and eat off of. So we've got to make sure that the Chesapeake Bay stays clean. But we also need to be able to benefit from the minerals and oil that are in the Chesapeake Bay. So we need to find a way to be able to do that and maintain safe waters for our tourists to enjoy for years to come and us to enjoy years to come. And the other thing that I would say that Virginia needs to do since the last year, Virginia is starving for tourism. Tourism is something we need to drive. Virginia is for lovers. Now, one of the most important things I say for last is education. Education in Virginia, this we've learned very much so that this online learning isn't working. I was talking to teachers and the teachers unions the other day. And they're telling me that a vast majority of their students are far below when they were in their classes, when they were in classrooms. Some of them, a majority of them are actually failing, I'm being told. So education is important. That's the future of Virginia. So we need to get our keep, make sure our kids are getting the best possible education they can get. And I would open schools up immediately. I would also hire somebody to go around and clean every classroom in between classes and between bells and shift one class every class so that that class can be completely clean and then rotate it so always one classroom is being ultimately cleaned at all times. So we had the safest schools in Virginia and we could keep our kids in schools and keep mamas sane because mamas are wanting to. I've had so many, I had a woman tackle me in a parking lot at Walmart. Because she said, I love you for wanting to open schools immediately. She goes, moms are going crazy with the kids at home. Get them back in school. Clean the schools if you have to, but get them back in school. And I agreed with her. I have to say that. I think that's the safest and smartest thing to do is we've got these schools and we've got to use them. So let's go ahead and get them back in there with a cleaner person designated just to clean. I think that could that or two people. You know, that could be the answer. And armed guards in the school, on the outside of the school, to make sure that these kids are safe and we don't have our schools attacked. Virginia needs to have the safest schools in, in the country. And as your governor, I would see to it that your kids are safe inside the school and outside the school. They are our future. Okay, all right. Anybody want to start off with a question? Anybody got a question other than Absolutely. me? I have a few, but I'll let... Let you guys go first. Oh, wow. I heard somebody saying something. <laughs> I did. I have a question. I'm sorry. Okay, I have a question. When you say make Virginia free again, can you define free and then maybe itemize your action plan, like the steps to making it free? LaVita, great question. And thank you for all you do for your, your podcast. I actually sat in on it a couple times after leaving <laughs> Jerome's and uh, you run a great podcast. I'd love to come in and sit on yours sometimes and, and guess, uh, be a guest. But to answer your question, what's important for me right now, as you know, till March 1st, Virginia is closed from midnight to 5 a.m. That ain't free. When you're, when, you're confined, when you're confined and told you can't go somewhere, that ain't free. When, when, when I read the Constitution, it says I'm a free American. That means I can go anywhere in America I want to go whenever I want to go. That's my definition of free. And so I, I'm going to put Virginia back on the Constitution. And you ask me how I'm going to do that. Well, this week, my lawyer and I are writing the pleading and the final pleading. So we'll probably file this week or next week in federal court. 
to charge the Commonwealth of Virginia with defrauding the United States government. So I think if I beat him in court, which I know I'm going to, because it, like I said, my deeds from 1957, there was no interstate. Um, we're going to win and we're going to, we're going to eliminate. A lot of people don't know this. Everybody that wears a mask in Virginia currently is having their 14th amendment violated. Please contact your civil rights attorney and ask him about that. If BDH is not working under a legal state of emergency, they don't have the authority to do what they're doing and it violates your 14th amendment. Now, being that Ralph Northam right behind me out this back door you see behind me as we watch this podcast, according to the FBI is currently committing 18 felonies. We can safely say <laughs> that we're going to win. So what I'm saying to you is I plan on beating him in court and putting the constitution of the United States back to the forefront of Virginia law. That's how we're going to do it. That's how I'm going to do it. Okay. Yeah. Right, Madison. Madison, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you up? Oh, I, I don't have any questions. Oh, no questions? Okay. All right. So here you go. I know you mentioned about Chesapeake Bay. Okay. Uh, well, some... you didn't even ask Don. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, well, I. I I'm going to get to Don, Don, North Carolina guy. So I'm going to him, oh, get to him real okay. quick, you know, um, because Don, Don got his own problems in North Carolina with this. <laughs> okay. no, that number, but no, but I'm going to throw Don in there in a second. But but this uh, hit me real quick because it's in it, it's in my district. And, and he mentioned it, the Chesapeake Bay, keeping the Chesapeake Bay clean. You know, on the eastern shore, you know, Tangiers, you know, um, there, there's fishermen up there. OK, and that's how they live and survive. And the waters up there are getting raped by international boats, international countries um, coming raping the fish. They're scraping, uh, you know, with nets and they're scraping up the, uh, the coral reef and they're killing off the coral reef and, and decimating the fish population and therefore creating a economic nightmare for my constituents that are fishermen up on the eastern shore. How would you as governor um, regulate that or stop that? to where um, the fishermen up in the Eastern shore can survive and um, support their families again? You know, that's a great question, Jerome. The fact is I have some very good friends that own some of those very fishing fisheries you talk about. And so the, the guys out of Yorktown, Gloucester, Hampton, you know, fellas, they got to fish. And they need to be able to fish without having their grounds destroyed. You know, we would have, that's what concerns me. That's, that's one of my points of mentioning it was that the fact that that's going on, Jerome, and you're right about that. The fact that that's going on and nobody's paying attention to it right now is most definitely a concern as the next governor of Virginia that I would definitely get on top of that with Virginia Marine and see what we can do about, you know, monitoring more closely if they're following the rules, the international waters, are they coming in and are they not making sure they're doing what they're supposed to do so that our guys have a fair shot. You know, there's nobody that's going to fight for Virginians. If you notice Razif's Ralph shirt, there's nobody that's going to fight for Virginians harder than Paul Davis. Nobody. I mean, I, except maybe the people in this room because you guys are fantastic. 
But that's what I'm saying, guys. It's it's people like us that stand up and say enough is enough. And enough is enough. And we've got to look into that. That's a concern for me. That's why I brought it up in the first place. Thank you for bringing it up. All right. Good. Good answer. All right. So what we do, so if we have any um, – any questions from the audience? Go ahead, Don. What you got, buddy? While I look through the, through the comments real quick, Paul, were you going to say something else? I thank you, Don. Thank you. And by the way, for our brothers in North Carolina, you know, we, you know, anytime if we can be supportive to anybody in North Carolina, you know, that's our neighboring state. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention about the Chesapeake Bay Jerome was super tankers and being the number one port in America. You know, for years, Norfolk, Virginia has been the number one port in the world for for shipping. It's not anymore. Now, as your next governor, it will be again. One of the things that concerns me is that we've got these super tankers. We need to dredge for the super tankers to be able to come in and out regularly so that Norfolk, Virginia, and the Hampton Roads, Chesapeake Bay Area terminals can be the number one terminals in the world again, as they have been for most of the past. Coming to America, this is where all the shipping comes, and we need to be number one. And and we've had these mamby-pamby governors previously who don't have the courage to dredge the Chesapeake Bay to make us the big-time competitor in the world market of shipping. Paul Davis is your next governor does vote me and we'll, we'll, we'll take Virginia into the future under the constitution. Thank you. All right, so, uh, I'm kind of with Jonathan King. Um, I wouldn't say I'm a, a single issue voter, but I would like to know your stance on second amendment. And I will tell you, I am not a misconception second amendment guy i'm a purist uh so i want to know your stance on the second amendment don you gotta stop throwing me softballs if your dog's fluffy little little known fact about paul davis my great my i am the sixth biological grandson of the gentleman who wrote the second amendment of the united states john adams that's my sixth biological grandfather and let me tell you guys for people that are wondering where paul davis's stance is on the uh second amendment my family wrote it and no infringement means no infringement all right facts all right here we go we're gonna go to the questions all right, Jamie Jefferson, I don't know if you can see that, but a uh, stance on gender. Can you read that, Paul, on the screen? Uh, yeah, I'm in the show. Everybody can see and hear you. Oh, yeah. stance on gender. Yeah. I'm a guy. Oh, um, it's a cr in critical race theory. Stance on helping. A, um, yes. Great question, Jamie. Uh, my stance on gender. Uh restroom oh let me tell you about this guys i'm not you know if you're born with male parts and you're born with female parts you're a female if you got female parts and you're a male if you got male parts of birth this restroom if the you know i gotta tell y'all this really i'm a really concerned about this uh you know i support everyone being able to go and be move freely and independently 
and LGBTQ, I understand that they have rights and I'm not trying to, to hamper those rights. But I would have to say that whatever bathroom they're going to use, it's going to be the one that says on their birth certificate at birth what biological sign they was. Because I don't know how many of you have children, but I have three nieces. And the first dude that pulls his Johnson out in front of my nieces, it's not going to be a good day in Virginia for that guy. So I'm telling you now, that's crazy. You know, 20 years ago, for somebody to say this or to have a conversation about men being in the ladies' bathroom, we'd only had one word, pervert. Okay? And today they're trying to say that that's the new normal. I'm sorry, pervert is not the new normal. The king is naked. Okay, the emperor is buck ass naked. He ain't wearing no clothes. <laughs> All right. So, what about critical race theory? The you know the neighborhoods, impoverished neighborhoods. You're talking to somebody. I've lived. I don't. You know, one of the things I grew up in in a, in a poor section in Norfolk. You know, my dad told me if I wanted to wear Levi's. You know, I remember when we were kids. I'm telling my age. But I'm 57 years old, and when I was a kid, the cool thing to do in school was to wear all the colored different pairs of Levi's you could find. Well, my dad, you know, they couldn't afford for me barely to go to Norfolk Christian. He worked for the government. He was a WG wage earner over at the base. And uh, so they barely had the money to keep me in school. So my dad said, if you want Levi's, get a job and get Levi's. I was 12 years old. I got a paper route, bought my own Levi's. That's how it all started for me. I learned the value of a dollar and felt that if you want something, you can earn it by going and getting it and working hard for it. That's what we do. And as far as my stance on helping impoverished neighborhoods, as far as the critical race theory, we all one race, the human race. We all bleed red. And I think we should get out of Ralph Northam's nightmare and back into Martin Luther King's dream, where we all, regardless of color, work together to make the world we live in a better place to be, regardless of color. You know, I think of a song every time somebody says color, Jesus loves the little children of the world, all the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white, they are all precious in his sight. So to me, your next governor, well, like I used to say back down in the streets in Norfolk, now y'all got to forgive me. I know we're on late and everybody's sipping a little something. So, you know, forgive your next governor, but when he gets hot and a little passionate, he might say something he right, you know. But uh, there ain't but two good colors in this world. All the money green, all the booty pink. Excuse me, I'm sorry. But that's how it is. All right? Now, let's, that, that, if you want to know where my stance on color is, if it ain't green or pink, I don't give up. Okay. So there you go. If, it don't matter if you're blue, green, with pink polka dots. I don't care what color you are. We Can we make money? And can we get along and have a beer? Other than that, I don't care about your color. <laughs> and, okay. Oh, impoverished neighborhoods. Hold on, Jamie. I'm sorry. Jamie, no, go ahead, impoverished go neighborhoods, we're going we're gonna to feed people that are hungry in Virginia. Ain't nobody going to go hungry in Virginia. We'll find a way. You know what Virginians do best? 
regardless of color. That's the beautiful thing in this room right now. There are people of all colors right in this room right now. And I guarantee you, if we all found somebody who we knew that was hungry, every one of us would make sure that person ate. We could come together as Virginians and make sure that our kids eat in school, that our kids are in school, and that anybody who needs a meal in Virginia gets fed. Sounds good. How do you feel about uh, how do you feel about the uh, right to work? Well, resist Ralph. Let's all go back to two a.m. Keep everything open. It's small business is what's going to save Virginia. Mm -hmm. Teresa, I see your question. Great question. Nobody would be laid off right now if I was your governor. Back to what we're talking about. We've got we've got we've got to grow jobs in Virginia. We've got to support small business. Small business is the future of Virginia. People don't realize that. But that's why the Democrats, let's call it what it is. They don't want small business. They want big business and big government. OK, and they want big business and big government in bed together. I got to call like I see it, y'all. That's what hey, that's the one thing about me. If you're wondering what I'm thinking, I talk too much. I'm going to tell you what it is and you ain't going to have to worry about it because you're going to find out. Yeah, well, I think that kind of the right to work uh, issue kind of uh, spills into that question that Teresa's asking. And so far as, you know, 300 people being laid off um, just all of a sudden, I wonder if uh, if Virginia was not a right to work state, if these workers would have had more protection and job security. And so That's, an That's an interesting Note there, Maz. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but that was so interesting. I was agreeing with it. I thought out loud before I realized what I was doing. Mm -hmm. So, to answer, uh, your question, to answer your question and Teresa's question, you know, I've got friends who work at the shipyard. I've got family who works at the shipyard, welders that work at the shipyard in my family. So, the shipyards in Virginia are part of the big history of Virginia's growth. And we've got to keep we've got to keep those jobs. We've got to bring those jobs back. Those three hundred people. You know, I would go to the Navy for if I was governor. I'd go to the Navy and say, "Hey, can we extend the contract here that you know is going to be extended at some point in the future? Can we extend it now and keep those people working?" But you didn't see Ralph do that. You don't hear Terry McAuliffe talking about it. Right. Well, I have a question. Um, with with everything that you um, name, is very each each. Let me say each issue that you uh, specify when Jerome actually, you know, what is what is your campaign platforming on? It was a lot of things that um, you know would take, I would say, a lengthy time just to get done in the General Assembly. Or just you know pass for laws because it's um it's they're just in depth. It's not something so much superficial. So how would you what what would you say is your plan to actually tackle all of those things in one term? You know, one of the things that we we're looking at is how to budget. Okay, and budget is extremely important. 
and what we're talking about. Because like you said, to do it all at one time, you have to have the budget to do it all at one time. So what we would have to do is look at keeping the balanced budget, but we've also got the influx of the, 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 the possibility that if you elect me as governor, we'd have an immediate, and, and here's something, I, there's two things that just popped in my head, but it's related to this. Legal marijuana is gonna bring a job market the likes Virginia hasn't seen. It's gonna bring an entire industry here. You've got the growers. You've got the people connected to selling the growers the thing they need to grow. You've got marketing, you got laborers, you got, so it's gonna bring an intense job market, billions of dollars to this, to this area and economic impact. And so we have to take the advantage of that and funnel those funds into things to speed up that process. You know, money makes things move, Levita, as we all know. So the, the more money we, we attack all of the items with or make a checklist and, and items of importance, if we can't and get done what's the most important and then with a promise of, you know, maybe the next governor putting it on his desk and saying, hey, these are things all Virginia wanted. If you get if you get to it, these are something, that, you know, where we've got to build a culture in Virginia. This is something I wanted to talk about. You know, the culture in Virginia, we talk about council culture and counterculture and all of this stuff. You know, the culture that one culture that we need to have in Virginia is the one thing we, we, we celebrate is our motto. Virginia is for lovers. You know, where is the love? You know, I saw I saw this meme the other day of the polar bear who's all white the Coca-Cola polar bear and how he got laid off because he was, he was too white. The interesting thing about polar bears is their skin is black. Oh. <laughs> it's their fur that's white. So what oh. we should learn from that is don't judge a book by its cover. We're all the same on the inside. That's We're all nice. human. Okay. So I'm going to try to shoot down these, these, uh, Questions from from the audience, real quick. Okay, so what, so what about the jobs, especially the ones that was lost at the shipyard yesterday? Over three hundred were laid off. So how would you I combat would that? I would immediately, as governor, if I was governor, I'd immediately, as governor, get the the, the U.S. Navy secretary and say, "Hey, have we got any contracts? You know, you're going to run long on, but you haven't issued the funds yet. But can we speed up that process to where we can keep people working in Virginia?" And, it, and you know they've got stuff that's going to be overrun. We, it's always happened. So we would just take find what is going to be overrun, get the money for that, and keep those people working immediately and put them back to work. And if I were Ralph Northam, that's what I'd do. But he, he, he doesn't seem to, you know, really want Norfolk to be or Virginia to be where it should be. And that's disappointing. Right. All right. So I'm going down. So he's saying, uh, what's your thought? Okay, I think he, he talked about opening schools, not being open full time. It had been open yesterday. Okay. Da, 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 da. I'm not getting everybody's comment because I want to see uh, I'm gonna see if they got any specific questions. All right, so uh, I, I have another one as I'm going down this list. But um, I tell you what, uh, I'll do Jamie's first. Your stance on well, the Jamie, great You know, great question, Jamie. 
steps on the opioid crisis, a huge crisis out of control. You know, it is, um, it's, it's something we've got to, you know, these people need help. And it's beginning to become a, it's beginning to become a huge crisis. And if we don't face it and quit going, no, it can't happen to us. That's when it happens to you. So we have to face it head on. We have to come up with a plan to make sure these people can get the methadone, to make sure that they can get the things they need to be able to be back to being a contributing factor in society and, and be healthy again for their own health. You know, we want them to be healthy and we want them to get off of it. That's what we want. And we would be able to do the best we can to whatever we can do to help facilitate that. So uh, hold on a second. So I know that these people need help and I know we need to get them off of it so they can become productive members of society. But I don't want to see a single person get Narcan for free while they're charging fucking cancer victims millions of dollars. You know, you know, Don, that's a great that's a great point. And we were just talking my my, my wife. Uh, she graduated with a psychology degree over at ODU. And we were talking about meds for people who need medication during the crisis. And. Some people have not, you know, not been able to get what they need during the COVID crisis. And uh, that's a concern. Um, I agree with you. We need to we need to work with Big Pharma in a way that we can get them to lower prices for people that have financial need of assistance. You know, they're they're beginning. They're just, you know, in the last few years, Big Pharma is beginning to set up programs where they'll assess with money to to help elderly and certain people's disabled people and stuff like that with discounts for, for medicine and stuff. We need to be doing more of that, finding a way to make, you know, a program set up that that can be more of an option. I agree with you, Don. I don't think, you know, I honestly, we've got to find a way to make it affordable for these folks who are good people caught up in a bad thing to be able to get the help they need. Okay, Michelle, what about the homeless people? What do we do about the homeless problem? You know, y'all don't know me yet, but y'all, you know, if it was me, one of the things with one, I'll tell you a little bit about me. One of the one of the things that I would, do, what I plan on doing with some of the money that I'm, I'm positive that I'm gonna be getting soon from the government myself is we had. We want, a, we want a, a church that Marina and I were married in uh, has, has, has been, it's, it's been a church where it's the people in the church are, are in their, most of them are in their 80s. It's one of those churches where they all started together back in the 50s and 60s, 70s, and everybody's just getting old and dying and, and just, they didn't have as many kids. So the church just kept getting smaller and they're struggling. So we're, you know, we're going to inject some money into that, make it a, a, a food shelter where people who want to hear John three sixteen and about the word of the Lord can get a meal, hear some, hear some good stuff, maybe some gospel singing and some gospel groups and uh, have an opportunity to get fed and warm 
And we may even build some apartment building right there where you know, we can start a program where people can go in and learn about job skills and, and get back on. And maybe some of these people with the opioid problems, we can help and we can set this up. Maybe we can, by, by selling T-shirts and creating online websites and showing them how to market, maybe we can give them some skills to where this thing pays for itself and we put them back and uh, – and the, and, and the business world and give them an opportunity, help them get back with a franchise of some sort or teach them how to run a small business. You know, okay. one of the okay, things- I'm gonna cut you because okay. we run out of time because we got another guest coming on. So um, Kathy asked, are you pro-union? Are you asking me? Oh uh, yeah, Kathy, Kathy actually feels- Oh, action. I'm not pro-union. Pro <laughs> I'm pro-Virginia's getting paid. Okay, <laughs> we have unions. We're great. If we have people that want to start a business, great. If we have a guy that runs a company, hires 500 people, and it's his business, great. I'm I'm in favor of all Virginians getting paid properly for the proper amount for the work they do. Fair wages. Okay. What's your uh, thoughts on governors releasing high-profile criminals and also the death penalty being no longer? The death penalty is coming back as soon as I'm your governor. And my thoughts on releasing high-profile criminals, if they if if they did the crime, as they as they say, if you do the if you do the crime, you got to do the time. So uh, if you want to know how I feel on law and order, if you do the crime, you got to do the time. Okay. All right. So, um, Kathy asks, okay, how do you feel about the funds that they're setting aside now? You know, they, uh, they passed this law. They're setting aside where prior convicted drug offenders to set them up with marijuana growing and selling businesses. What do you think about that? That's a great question, Kathy. And how are you doing? It was good to see you out at some of the events. I see you out at always good to see you. A great Republican, Kathy. Thank you for asking such a good question. How I feel about funds being set aside for convicted drug offenders. I think that it's a great idea. I think it needs to be set aside for a small business. I think it needs to be set aside for you, Kathy, if you want one. I think we should all get one if we want one. You know, if you got the money to buy the license and I would make it reasonable and you're going to run your business properly, it's a small business. I support small business being open, no restrictions. Uh, if you own, if you own a business, you decide when you open and you decide when you close. If you own, if you're a pastor, or or you run a mosque, or you run a temple, or you run any religious organization, your head of your religious facility will decide when you open and when you close, and how many people attend your services. Not the government. Virginia is home of freedom of religion. It'll stay at home of freedom of religion. I got a question. Uh, kind of throwing a monkey wrench in there a little bit, though. You uh, Early on, you said a lot about Constitution, right, and getting back to Constitution. Of course, your family uh, wrote the Constitution. But I also hear you talking a lot about small businesses, which is fine, but licenses. Can you explain to me where in the Constitution it talks about needing a license to own a business? Ooh, Madison. You know, 
I'd kiss you, but they'd say we they might start talk about us. <laughs> that's you know, that's a beautiful thing. I mean, you know, you're absolutely right, Madison. That's a great point. You know, somebody asked me earlier. I think it was Don asked me about the Second Amendment, and I told him no infringement means no infringement. That means no no ammo registration. That means nothing. No registration. If I give, if you give Jerome your gun and I give and Levita gives Madison a gun and we all swap guns. Ain't no registration of that either. No infringement means no infringement. We are by our God given right able to bear arms and maintain. Matter of fact, I like I might take with the, with the trillion dollars I'm about to get in this lawsuit that I'm suing for a trillion dollars. That may buy me the plane that he said I got to have to fight the government. So he better, look, he better have a toe the line because Paul Davis, the head, the, the son of the founding father, is now watching Joe Biden. Like I watched Ralph Northam. Ralph Northam about to go to jail, Joe. All right, so here All we right. go. Uh, how would you approve the VA for veterans? Wow. You know, Emily Peterson. Hi, Emily. Emily and I know each other. I see you're out at events. Good to see you, Emily. Thank you for coming out. You know, vet, veterans, my my father-in-law is a veteran in a VA hospital disabled in Orlando, Florida. You asked me about veterans. My wife is a, is a veteran's daughter who was supposed to be getting paid for her college dental like when she medical stuff happened while she was in college she never got a dime and she paid it out of pocket so we're definitely going to be looking into veterans affairs because when veterans kids start slipping through the, the, the cracks in the program it's time we protect the kids so we're gonna we're gonna look in and make sure the veterans are getting what they're supposed to be getting and we're gonna make sure that they that, that they get this look these people died or wounded because they were protecting us. We owe them. It's time for us to man up and take care of our veterans the way they're supposed to be taken care of. Yeah, facts. Okay, uh, Virginia Marine, if you can read that, he said, what do you think about the SEC and the decision for a convention versus primary? How do you see yourself keeping in the game against other gubernatorial candidates that are currently running? Virginia Marine, great question. And I want you to know that how I plan on doing it is it didn't matter to me where I accept the nomination. I'm going to win this. Y'all got to understand, if y'all ever watch, you know, if you learn your history, there's a race between a rabbit and the tortoise. And the tortoise was the underdog heavily. And yet, as the story goes, the tortoise wins the race. Well. Not many people have the largest corruption case in the United States history just around the corner before the convention. And I, I, I dare say people ask me, how do, you, how do we know you're smart enough to be governor? I was smart enough to plan to get the bump right before the convention, wasn't I? Okay. All right. Cool. So, uh, all right. So, so we're going to give you a chance because we're going to wrap it, wrap up your session I got to have another guest getting ready to come on. So, um, you know, go ahead and wrap up what you think the people need to know. Give them your website. Give them how to contact you. Um, give them all your information. So if anyone wants to donate to you, wants to support you, 
you know, they'll know how to find you. Great, guys. And thank you. Yes, we, you know, one last thing I want to add. In Virginia, there will be no mandatory vaccines. Just in case somebody's wondering, Paul Davis' stance on vaccines, there will be no mandatory vaccines and there'll be no gun taking in Virginia. I don't care if Joe Biden says, I got to take your junk guns. I'm going to tell Joe Biden to go home. Um, but Paul Davis for governor.us. That's www.pauldavis for governor, governor spelled out.us. And folks, listen, you don't, if you go to the Republican website, I'm not on there. I will be next week. Supposedly it was, they're aware that I was running for governor, but somehow felt that my website, they didn't have to see the link. So um, they didn't put it up there. So I'll be on the website next week. You know, everybody everybody tried to hold a guy named Trump down. He came out of nowhere and won. Look for Paul Davis to surprise a lot of people between now and the convention. All right. Well, thanks, man. We appreciate you. Thanks for coming on. And, uh, and, and, and letting everybody know what you're going to do as governor, sharing what you um, would do and for the people of Virginia. So we thank you and, and, and good luck, man. Thank you, guys. I'm, I'm going to hang out with you guys for a while. I, I, love, I love what's going on with the show, so we're going to hang out. Okay, all right. Yeah, I'm going to put you backstage, though, all right? <laughs> all right. So uh, we, got, we, we have – I got um, – Matt Clifford coming on. Matt Clifford, I haven't seen your guy yet, Tim Bradshaw yet, Matt Madison, but I got uh, Matt Clifford coming on. Um, he's a big time politics. You guys know him. He's been up in here. He's uh, the Virginia Marine guy up in here. Yeah. And uh, you've seen him. But uh, but we're gonna talk some politics. We're gonna let Matt tell us about some of these uh, candidates. We'll say candidates that's running. Here in Virginia, okay. Um, he's talking about the candidates, or is he talking about the fodder? Well, uh, I think we're gonna cover uh, probably a little bit of both. Okay. Okay. <laughs> a little bit of both. All right. All right. So here we go. All right. So we're gonna bring in as soon as Matt come in. As soon as Matt come in, we're gonna bring him in. Um, he's not in yet, though. Hold on. I gotta. I gotta edit this. Here we go. Uh, I just. I just told him to come in now. So. Facebook shit that may Virginia's place. Uh, okay, cool. All right, cool, cool, cool. Okay, he'll be in in a minute then. Um, he'll be in in a moment. So anyway, we're going to uh, check out some more comments. So uh, da, 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 don't feed the demons. <laughs> yeah, you skipped over my comment, Ro. Which one, man? Hey, man, I'm trying to produce and host. <laughs> and There's probably a bunch of I, things I skipped over. No, I was actually yeah. trying to go to questions. I was Look, getting the questions. I heard West Virginia was for lovers that can't afford Virginia. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. People in the chat saw that. People in the chat saw that. So I just uh, that. that's messed up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm a little late on. Yeah, he gave his education, sissy. You you came in a little late. He gave his education and his platform and everything. So he gave it uh, up front. So then we then we went to questions. So, all right. So, without any further ado, we're gonna bring in Matt Clifford, aka Virginia Marine. What's up, Matt? Hey, how are you, Jerome? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. Come on, come on in, man. Tell us what you got, man. Hey, so I know uh, last week we were kind of uh, just discussing a little bit the um, some of the 2021 gubernatorial 
uh, candidates and uh, Amanda Chase was mentioned as well as um, Pete Snyder. Um, <clears throat> and then I brought up Glenn Youngkin and uh, I've actually been in, in contact with um, uh, some other individuals that are affiliated with Glenn Youngkin uh, and currently um, promoting him. And uh, just wanted to get some of that information out there. I noticed uh, one of the things that you said last week was uh, his affiliation with Carlisle uh, Group, of which, if I remember correctly, he uh, resigned um, from that position September of last year, if I remember correctly. Um, so just wanted to kind of touch base with that. And uh, also, um, as you know, uh, I founded um, the Virginia United uh page, which initially was just for informational purposes, uh, state level, uh, essentially it was for state level uh, issues, but it kind of has broadened. The spectrum is now national as well as state level issues. And um, we may basically are just discussing and, and going over uh, any kind of issues that are currently directly impacting our quality of life, our way of living. Um, so we've had rallies and we've done protests and we've worked with, you know, Senator Amanda Chase, uh, Senator Dick Black, um, worked with Marshall Lessard over at Virginia Freedom Keepers as well. Um, we've met some pretty interesting individuals. Uh, I've actually had a chance to meet with uh, Merle Rutledge in person. He did a, um, a meet and greet with us uh, back in October, if I remember correctly. He's actually on, on Halloween. Um, and uh, so we've met some really, you know, neat people and interesting characters as well. Uh, Pete Snyder was one of the guys that I initially was trying to get in touch with a couple of weeks ago. And unfortunately, that fell through. Uh, I had a chance to talk to Kurt uh, uh, Santini. Um, and, uh, you know, some of these guys that I've met, I, I, I've just kind of utilized some discernment um, and then also personal opinion on you know, who I think would be a strong candidate versus uh, who I'd feel right now currently does not have either the experience or just the financial backing to remain valid. Um, and I know right now we're, you know, we're going with through a lot right now with the convention and, and with, you know, SEC um, and Amanda Chase and whatnot. Um, and there's just some, some issues that I've seen that, that I feel that, you know, not to, to, to say or, or to, to you know, downplay anybody who's currently running. Um, but I feel that personally, um, through what I've gathered as far as the information thus far um, for the, at least the, the, uh, the Republican gubernatorial candidates, um, why I feel Glenn Youngkin is one of the best front runners right now. Um, and we can definitely delve into that, uh, you know, wh whatever questions you, you have or whatever information you, you know, want to relay, I can, um, you know, talk with you about. Okay. All right. So let me ask you a question. Okay. So you're a Glenn, Glenn Youngkin fan. That's fine. But you mentioned Merle, Merle Rutledge, right? Okay. And we were going to bring up Merle. Since you bring him up, we're going to bring him up now. Um, <laughs> you're aware that I guess Merle has been um, blackballed. Basically blackballed out of Monday's um, gubernatorial event at Liberty University, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what's your take on that? Why do you think that he was blackballed, and do you feel that that was that he's been treated fair because he has um, done everything that he's supposed to do as far as you know, file the paperwork, and you know he's official, but he's being left out. So, um, from what you gather, from what you may have heard, why why is he being left off the stage uh, on Monday? Honestly, full transparency here, um, and and this is. This is how I am. I'm, I'm pretty brutally honest uh, when it comes to this kind of stuff, and, and there's no filter. 
Um, honestly, I think it's because of the fact that he is not considered to be uh, an elite. And I hate to say it like that. Um, but I, I think that, you know, a lot of it has to do with his uh, representation and how he's presented himself as well. Um, and then also from uh, just, and I'm sure you already have had information on him and, and been able to meet him in person. If, if not, I'm sure you know plenty about him, but um, I would say a lot of it has to do with his uh, potential lack of experience um, as far as I hate to, I hate to say it from a, from a, a, a perspective of where you're, you're kind of, you know, making a first impression type of a, a scenario or you're judging a, a book by its cover, because obviously you can't do that. Um, but I'll just tell you from my personal That's experience exactly what, uh, from meeting exactly. Ron Rutledge, when he came to do a, a kind of like a meet and greet um, with the members in Virginia United, um, first impressions are, are kind of a big deal, especially when you're running for governor or any kind of, um, you know, specific elected uh, official um within a state um came in with a if i remember correctly a nissan Sentra, kind of beat up holy jeans t-shirt red hat smoking a cigarette in front of children cussing um the i would say the um the temperament and also the presentation probably isn't there and you know for somebody that like me i'm a blue collar worker i see people from you know every every area as it doesn't matter where you're at, if you are considered to be middle-class, lower-class uh, income level or upper-class. Um, so for me, it's, it's whatever. I don't really care. And personally, I think that it's great that you could be yourself. However, um, and it, I'm sure you're already aware and everyone else with, within this chat are aware that uh, presentation specifically for, you know, gubernatorial candidate is somewhat of, of, a, of a, a factor and you have to have some sort of um, poise I think. And uh, I think that has a lot to do with with Merle. Now, that's just a personal opinion. So, you know, honestly, if you wanted me to get into logistics about it, I probably couldn't say as to, to you know, why. Um, but this is just, again, a personal opinion. So my question is, who says you have to have all that? Because at the end of the day, mm -hmm. they could have come up with a list and said, you got to be this, this, this and this. And we would have never had Donald Trump for the last four years. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think I think that's one of the biggest issues that we're dealing with right now is that, you know, it's like uh, I was actually speaking with um, a state central committee chair member uh, a few weeks ago about this. And one of my biggest issues that I that I personally uh, have a problem with is that we specifically within the GOP um, or Republican Party, we are more focused on tradition rather than actual actually getting things done. And, and, and I use a reference, I use church as a reference. I said, you know, you look at churches and religion, uh, Christian faith as a whole, you have all these different denominations, right? Unfortunately, because of all of these different denominations or, or factions, um, you have convolution and that creates discombobulation. And a lot of these churches have become so focused with tradition that they forgot the whole purpose of church. And I feel like that's one of the biggest things that we're dealing with right now um, with the Republican Party, there are so many individuals that are factioned off. It's, it's just whether or not you're a, a Cruz supporter or a Trump supporter or whatever it may be. Um, but but you have this tradition that is unfortunately um, taking precedence over why you're even there in the first place. And, and, you know, for me, my opinion, again, you know, any elected official is supposed to be here to serve us. It's 
we the people and they're serving us in civil servitude. And if you're forgetting that and if you're forgetting the oath that you take when you actually put your hand on the Bible and you, you, you owe them to office and you forget that and you allow traditions. And I think this is something that that is affecting um, the presentation aspect uh, to take precedence. Then you have a problem. Um, and, and so to, to, you know, to answer your question, I feel like that's probably um, the, the best way to say it. I think that tradition is, is taking precedence. And traditionally, um, you see these individuals that are running and they have a specific uh, temperament and they have a specific uh, demeanor and presentation. And unfortunately, uh, I think a lot of people are looking at that and they're also looking at finances and they're looking at, you know, you know, the money. And, and unfortunately, that's a that's a big problem. Um, but again, this goes into these elite echelon individuals that have deep pockets. And, you know, if, if you don't have the money, you're, you're unfortunately not considered to be really valid. All right. So here's a here's the issue. I'm, uh, Madison, did you have anything before I jump in? Yeah, I thought that, uh, you know, his, uh, I thought that his opinion um, was more telling. Uh, and so far as uh, a vast mindset that we've seen throughout the elite, uh, not elite, I'm sorry, establishment Republican Party. I mean, to say that you don't like the, per the way a person dresses, walks or talks. And because of that, you want to uh, stifle uh, that person's voice so that others can't make the decision for themselves is exactly what we're fighting against. We want mm -hmm. to give people the opportunity to hear and to decide for themselves. Now, yeah. um, the legitimacy of his candidacy uh, really doesn't have anything to do with being given the opportunity to speak on the same uh, platform as everyone else who went through and filled out the paperwork and qualified. Right. So for people to say that this man does not qualify because basically you didn't like the way he looked or sounded um, is absolutely uh, ludicrous. It is ridiculous. Yeah, I 100% I, I agree. And, and again, you know, this is just opinion and this is a, a more so, um, you know, just a, a guess as to why I don't, you know, 100% know. Um, I just have a theory. That's probably what it is, unfortunately. Um, and, you know, it, it, it could be other things. I'm sure there probably are many other things. I'm sure people might think that some of his uh, ideological perspectives are a little radical or extreme. Um, some of the stuff that he said specifically in the, um, the meet and greet that we had uh, was to, um, to have the death penalty for rapists. And some people might think that's, that's a bit extreme, um, you know, and, and, and to publicly vocalize this because he was, you know, live streaming this as well. That's petty. Then um, don't you think that's kind of petty? Because yeah. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, I mean we're we're asking Republicans pretty much are asking for a death penalty. If someone mm -hmm. raped one of my daughters, I would behoove the state to put that person to death before I did. So I think that I don't think that that's uh, extreme. That's my opinion, but yeah. my opinion doesn't matter. We're talking about giving a person the opportunity to speak on the stage and letting. Yeah other people decide uh, whether that person is, is viable or not. Right. Yeah. I, I agree hundred percent. Yeah. I think I mean, you're no, here's, right. and here's the thing. Um, and here's the thing. Uh, just like Teresa just said, but in New York, a dipshit bartender can become a Congresswoman. I mean, see, but here's the thing, right? 
is that people thought and felt the same way about me when I and me and me and Madison in two thousand mm -hmm. in, in two in twenty twenty. Mm -hmm. and, 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 you know, because first thing, because people always have this misconception that if you don't come from money or if you don't have money, you're not a viable candidate. Well, I proved that I was a viable candidate and I started my campaign with zero, with zero dollars. I don't have a million dollars to loan my campaign a million dollars or a hundred thousand dollars. You know, and that was the thing. Well, can you raise money? I can do any damn thing I want to do, you know, and, and, and I can do it well. OK, but for me to prove that to you, if you think I can't raise money, then why don't you give me a thousand dollars? That's my take to that. Right. So you know, and, and it came out to where, OK, I, I was actually I outraised Ben Loyola and Scott Taylor in the second quarter. The only reason Scott Taylor had more money than me, because he had pack donors. You know, he was right. a for me before. So he had the pack. I actually outraised Ben Loyola, who had been doing this game for 10 to 15 years. And I proved that I'm a viable candidate because I wouldn't take no for an answer because I'd be damned if somebody tell me I can't show up and be to a place because of the way I look, the way I talk, the way I sound, because I am who I am. Yeah. Right. I may, I may speak a certain way on my show. I may speak a certain way on my Facebook page. And yes, and I speak a, maybe a different language or something, not different language, but a different way when I'm presenting myself in front of people when I'm talking to people in general, but they all know they're going to get Jerome Bell regardless of the fact. You see what I'm saying? So, yeah, you know, we can't, Paul brought it, we can't judge a book by his cover. <coughs> okay. And for them to not invite him because of what they perceive him to be is 100% wrong. 100% mm -hmm. wrong. And, yeah. and, and I can say that probably about a couple of those candidates up there and put them in the same category because we've interviewed a couple on my show. And I can tell you this, that Merle actually had more, more concepts and, more <coughs> and, and a better plan than some people that I interviewed on my show. And they're up on that stage. He qualified just like all the other people did. I'd be damn, I, I don't care. I don't care if he smokes cigarette. I don't care if he wears holy jeans. If he can get up there and present himself and present his ideas to the people, he qualified to do that, then he deserves to be there regardless of what anybody else and, and even the host thinks because now this is what it looks like to me. Seriously, okay? It looks like it's a black thing. Yeah, He's the mm -hmm. only black candidate running for governor. He's the only one, I guess Paul Davis didn't get invited either, but he's the only one out of that crew that didn't get invited. You got Santini up there. You got people that came in late. I mean, you got Yonkin, like you said, came late. I mean, Yonkin got money. That's why Yonkin's up there. He has some ideas. Okay, he has money. But people with money tend to get all the first slots, and that's bullshit. That's, that, that, to me, that's just total bullshit. Okay? If you qualify to be on the ballot. He's he's qualified to be on the ballot. Right. He's qualified to be on the ballot, especially since they went to the convention. He's qualified. And, and when you are qualified to be on the ballot, then damn it, you're qualified to go and speak what everybody else is speaking. And if you don't invite him, and if he's not invited, and you're talking about you don't have enough space at Liberty University, that's a bullshit-ass lie, and that's a bullshit-ass excuse. And I hope everybody can hear this. Everybody that's at Liberty University, everybody that's at the RPV, everybody at the SEC, everybody that has anything to do with this, 
Okay, whether whether we feel like Murrow is a viable candidate or not, he's qualified to be there. Right. Mm -hmm. Anything other than that is wrong, dead wrong. And if he is all those things that your opinion states that, you know, and you're, you know, a lot of people probably share your opinion, um, then he has the right to get on stage and embarrass himself. Right. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, but, you know, I have a real problem and I'm, I'm seeing a pattern. I'm seeing a pattern that I don't like from the RPV. I don't like the way um, I was going to say Jack or Rich is handling it because he should have a pulse on what's going on from beginning to end. And the optics just don't look right. I see where you have establishment that are going against uh, overqualified people, such as uh, Chuck Smith. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they went against me. They elected a guy who can't even speak to uh, a potentially run for uh, a house seat uh, in the third. They, they elected a rhino who had no chance. Both those guys had no chance. I'm seeing a pattern that I don't like. And this is the reason why if we want to move forward and start winning, we have to uh, allow things to change we have to allow if if he's going to get up there once again if he's going to get up there and embarrass himself then that's him you know you let him get up there and embarrass himself but to say uh temperament do you know how racist that sounds yeah, uh or um you know uh, he had a centra that sounds it, it just sounds absolutely absurd yeah, so, and, and, and I think I think that's where the, the tradition aspect kicks in, because I think that, you know, that's that's one of the biggest issues right now is that, again, tradition is taking precedence. And unfortunately, traditionally, that is how it is. It's been. And um, it's a problem. It's definitely an issue. I agree. hundred percent. I mean, you know, like Paul says, it's election law violation, which it is. I mean, because Candace, because, you know, it goes back to how the establishment media you know, um, blackballed the left out candidates who deserved to be up on stage, but because they didn't raise enough money or because they had this percentage. So other people, so it's so only two or three people. So so what they're doing, in fact, is they are not giving the people their choice of who they want to choose. Yep. You know, right. and that, you know, and that's wrong. Some people may want to vote for Merle and vote for Merle Rutledge. If they hear him, they might want to, but they don't have the opportunity. So what they are doing is they are disenfranchising the public. The RPV of Virginia, the right. RCC of Virginia is disenfranchising the public by not allowing every candidate that's qualified to be heard. And that's wrong. And I'm going to say, I hope Murrah Rutledge sues the hell out of them. Yeah. I hope he sues the hell out of them. And I will be behind him 100%. And, I'm, and, and, and I've already been. I'm an Amanda Chase person. I, I, she's my number one right now. You know, I'm in conversations with other people. We're talking on the phone. They're calling me for support. But I'm still, they haven't changed my mind yet. But you know what? I would be behind a Merle Rutledge 100% on a lawsuit because he deserves to be there, regardless mm -hmm. of what anybody else thinks. He's qualified. Right. Period. Yeah. Period. And that's how it should be. It's also yep. telling the way that they were dodging the media, the whole nine. You know, it's almost uh, 
you know, they, this is just uh, filled with with guilt. It's it's uh, it's a uh, it's shameful what we're seeing at, in 2021. Uh, it's uh, it's uh, embarrassing what I heard from you, even though it's your opinion. To me, your opinion was embarrassing, but it is what it is. You know what I mean? And these are the mindsets that we have to get past. Mm -hmm. Violation of equal time. 1934 Communication Act, violation of equal time. It is. It is point blank. I mean, they're, they're, they are digging themselves a hole. And, and here it is, too, man. Let's talk about, like you said, let's talk about, um, you know, we get to question all the time. How can we as the Republican Party go into the... Uh, minority neighborhoods and bring back voters. Well, I tell you what, your damn sure ain't gonna do it this way. <laughs> your damn sure ain't gonna do it this way. You're digging yourself yeah. a freaking hole that you will probably never get out of because when, if this gets out, which it is because Merle already contacted oh, yeah. the news, it's yeah. on the news. It's in the news right now. And and and, and I don't blame him. He's putting it you everywhere know, as he should. So as he should. this is like, like Madison say, these are horrible, horrible optics. What the RPV did was they just lost the gubernatorial race for the for the Republican Party. There's nobody black is, uh, you know, gonna, the majority of black people are not going to vote uh, for a party that will disenfranchise the only. Um, because they don't know that, you know, a lot of people don't know who he is, but all they're going to hear is this is what happened. You know, it's already on the news. It's out there. You know, nobody's, uh, you know, the, the best thing that probably uh, Rich could do is to, to not sanction that that debate. And uh, and uh, I don't know, uh, offer some sort of uh, counseling or I don't know what you would call it from his position. But um, I think that they just lost the uh, they just lost the race for the Republican Party. That's that's one of the fears that I've 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 had even even if Merle Rutledge wasn't even in in this scenario. Um, I think one of the biggest issues right now is again it's factioned off, and you, know, you have uh, even the SEC within the SEC, and I'm sure Jerome, you probably watched it last week the um, uh, the SEC meeting, and it was a complete fiasco. You have individuals in the same party that cannot even make amicable compromises. There's there's literally either one end of the spectrum or the other. It's your right or you're wrong. And there's no compromise. And you're seeing that throughout the Republican Party as a whole. Again, it's all factioned. And again, it's creating more of a convoluted, discombobulated atmosphere. And there's no way for for any way for, for us to win in that type of scenario. Um, you know, you look at Amanda, Amanda Chase currently and, and everything that's been going on. You know, Tommy Norman. Uh, he's in my district, and and you know a few of the other uh, you know senators wanted to censure. She was censured, and you know she used Tim Anderson, and and you know there's there's no again personal opinion, um, but I don't think that there is any type of actual justice um, when it comes to this. I think again it all boils down to this uh, elite echelon type of mentality, if you've got deep pockets, if you have anything that does not agree with per se, what myself and my establishment individuals agree with, then you're null and void. 
And so what we're going to do is we're going to completely silence you or push you out or censure you or whatever it may be. Um, And again, that causes a split because, you know, man, Chase initially when all this went down, when, you know, we, we were all told about, you know, having a convention versus a primary. One of the first things she said was, you know, Hey, uh, you know what, maybe I'm just going to run as independent. Well, the problem with that, as we all know, is if she did run as independent and, you know, with everyone who she's been getting signatures since, last year i mean october last year maybe before then um you know these are voters or delegates essentially but you know it's going to create a divide and it's going to create a a split of which is going to only ensure uh, a democratic win um you know right now terry mcauliffe is is probably going to be the the front runner and you know in this uh election and unfortunately i don't see um anyone uh really backing one individual right now. And if we don't do that, there's no way we're going to have a Republican, uh, you know, front runner for, for, for governor. Okay. See, I mean, and that's, if the, if the people have the opportunity to choose, mm-hmm. okay, I mean, you know, whether, you know, um, it's primary or whatever. Um, but the majority of the people should have the opportunity to choose, you know, I, you know, a lot of people, can't can't go to a convention. I mean, I've heard I, I've heard rumors. Matter of fact, someone called me today. You know, from CPAC. You know, there's a rumor going around that um that um Pete Snyder has bought up all the hotels at the convention site. Yeah, I heard I heard that as well. I'm, okay, so 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 when that happens, see see when that happens, it, it's always mm-hmm. I guess the people with the money. Guess what? People are tired of these rich dudes with money, right? Winning races, they, they are they are dead tired of these people. We are tired of these establishment people because what we get, we get these people, these establishment people with money, they're running, they win races, and then they fuck us over by being in bed with China. They screw us over by flip flopping. They screw us over by running as a conservative, then become a moderate or a damn rhino. Because really, all they're in for it is for their business, for the bottom line, for their pocket. Right. Right. These are what people. This is what people are seeing. They want true candidates. They want people that's really going to fight for them. Not just going to fight for their business or fight for their pocket. They want people that's going to fight for them. And the only way that people can have a true choice of who to vote with. Yeah, you have to research them, but they want to hear them and they want to hear them all. Not just a couple of people. They want to hear them all. That's why you have debates. That's why you have um, people come and speak at your events. All of them come and speak at your events. And then people can choose and decide for themselves. And they don't have 72 people in a fucking back room deciding on who's going to be our next governor candidate to go get their ass kicked by the Democrat. Right. Because they weren't the one that was supposed to be chosen in the first place. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, and in retrospect, though, to some of what you said, um, as far as the money and and you know, deep pockets and, and businessmen. We, we also have to, to take into consideration, though, that some of these candidates like Glenn uh, are businessmen. They're not politicians. And one of the biggest things, you know, when people talk to me about Amanda Chase or Pete Snyder or Kirshantini or any of the gubernatorial uh, GOP um, candidates, you know, yeah, Glenn Youngkin has money, but he's a businessman. So is Trump. And and I, and I like to, to look at it from that perspective of, you know, Glenn, from from 
what I know about him thus far, um, you know, yes, he invested or he was invested in Carlisle. We know that. Um, but as a businessman, when you have, um, you know, it's like Trump. I'm sure Trump had a lot of different uh, investments in different companies that morally probably weren't um, something that all of us could sit here and maybe agree on at one point in time. But when you're so invested in all of these different companies, it's very hard to you know, see from uh, the perspective of, okay, I need to take a step out for a moment and look at the dynamics of this company, what they stand for, what they're doing. And, you know, sometimes you miss things. And I think with Glenn, with the whole Carlisle um, scenario, um, basically it was something that he did not see right off the bat. And it was pretty abrupt. The fact that he just, you know, resigned last September, um, you know, he would only been in, if I remember correctly for three years uh, as the CEO. And I think one of the, 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 the issues and one of the reasons why he did uh, resign, and this is again, just something that um, I'm making an assumption under, but it, you know, theory, um, you know, he didn't realize what the what the the SPLC stood for, uh, and he, I think he realized that um, it was targeting Christian groups. And he's a he's a Christian. He ended up uh, actually starting a church in his basement when COVID hit uh, for members that were you know friends and members of other churches that were afraid to go out in public, and they knew him, and so him and his wife decided to do this. You know, it's a faith thing, and and to me that that that's you know that's. A, a really amazing thing to do. And, and, and it definitely has some volume there. Um, but I think that, you know, once he realized that, and, and I've been told as well by, again, individuals that uh, are close to him, when he realized that, um, you know, this, this company that he was working with was targeting Christian groups and whatnot, he was like, okay, I need to step back. Um, and he wanted to work with, you know, prior to all this, he wanted to work with the public, he wanted to work with the people, he wanted to open up more businesses. And I think that's something that he's really, you know, pushed and he's focused on. Um, another thing that, that I know he's, you know, he's pushed and, and he was on uh, this past week speaking, um, you know, he, he signed on the, uh, the no tax increase pledge. Um, so he's definitely trying to help, you know, the economy. He's really focused on businesses leaving, uh, specifically smaller businesses leaving um, Virginia. But, you know, again, in retrospect to what you were saying prior and previously to this is, yeah, there's a lot of individuals that have money. And unfortunately, um, you know, that that does have volume. It does, you know, help in a lot of circumstances. But I think that you know, not everybody just because they have money or, or don't have money um, doesn't necessarily make the person. Um, you know, sometimes you do have these individuals like Trump uh, who, you know, yeah, he had a lot of money. However, he also cared about the people. And we've seen that time and time again, uh, just, you know, within his, his term as president, um, you know, that's something that we can't just, you know, we can't, we can't generalize or, or maybe stereotype. Uh, and again, it's like kind of what I was saying with, with Merle, with Merle Rutledge, um, with a personal opinion, it's my theory as to why maybe he's, you know, unable to, or he's been kind of blacklisted. He's unable to speak. It's my theory that this is something that he's been, he's been put into the specific stereotype or category or he's been generalized. Um, and we can't do that. We can't judge, you know, a book by its cover. We, we all know that. So I think, you know, some right. of the things, Should, go ahead. Let, let yeah. Me. I, I'm, I'm concerned because, you know, regardless, uh, all right, take the take the black white out of it. You know, mm -hmm. I can, I'm concerned. I haven't heard any other candidate uh, uh, condemn 
the actions that were taken against Merrill, which is very concerning to me. Um, and does that mean, I'm not saying that it does or it doesn't, but does that mean that they condone those actions? Uh, the, the further, you know, the implication could be that uh, if they did, in fact, condone these actions, then what about the, the actual blue-collar everyday worker or white-collar everyday worker who is trying to get ahead? Um, and they have an idea or uh, some sort of they come up with a, with a great business idea. Um, are they going to be silenced as well? You know, for, for even now, for them to let it go so long without issuing a statement of condemnation for uh, a discriminatory act against mm -hmm. a, a fellow candidate um, speaks volumes to the mindset and perception. And so it's just not looking, uh, looking good, you know? Um, and so I have a lot of concerns in that area. And not only that, um, like you said, they're doing pretty much the same thing to Chuck Smith. Chuck Smith is doing his thing, though. He's right. making his own way. You right. know, um, I'm just like I did. I, I had no help from RPV. I had no help from that. Yeah, I, mean, I had no help from any. I made my own way. So, I mean, so I know what it is to not be the favorite son, per se. And that's fine. It's politics. I, you know, I understand that. I mean, but one of my things is, too, is that and one of the reasons why I had, you know, I really jumped on board with Amanda Chase is because when she got censored, she got suspended from Facebook. I mean, she's a conservative. So regardless of who she's running against, all, against all conservatives should have made a statement or said something right, right. about about the fact that she was suspended. Because you know what? It could have been them. Yeah. You know, I know myself, Madison, you had Chuck Smith, you had Leon Benjamin, you had us and you had um, Bishop Jackson. You had us five. We're the only ones that actually stood up publicly and made public statements about the censorship and the suspension of her on Facebook and things like that. I got suspended off Twitter, okay, uh, for um, for two weeks prior to my election. Nobody said a thing. But as soon as these other people started getting suspended off Twitter and things like that, now it's a big deal because these are the people that they really want, and it's a big deal, and it's bullshit. If we're conservatives, we should back our conservatives when things like this happen regardless. That's what the Democrats do, right? Yeah. That's what the Democrats do. And and, 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 why, and and therein lies why they keep winning races because they support each other. I don't care if you don't like Amanda Chase and you don't vote for her for governor. That's besides the point. The point yeah. is that she's a conservative of the RPV, of the SEC, of Virginia, and nobody said a thing that was running against her. None of her opponents said one word. And that's wrong, too. And that's and 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 I mean, you know, and that's where the splendid divide comes because it's like this, right? Everyone is out for themselves. Everyone's out for themselves, right? I mean, I spoke mm -hmm. up. I spoke up for some of my, you know, uh, people that I was running against. You know, when things went went wrong, you know, um, because wrong is wrong. You know, I mean, I mean, because if if you can't win a race because you support one of your opponents when things are wrong, then you probably don't need to be in the race. So let me throw this out there. 
what I've and this may this may not be your opinion. It may not be your you may not agree with it. Whatever. Madison said he was going to leave color out of it. I'm not. I'm not going to. So the entirety of the last half hour, what I'm hearing is the RPV is willing to let something like the Carlisle situation go away because he resigned. But we're going to judge the one black guy in the race over some damn torn jeans and a cigarette. Right. Oh, no. And, and, and don't forget, the kicker is always temperament right. of, of black men. But but he has the right to be heard. Period. End of mm -hmm. Well, right. that, that's the big racist thing is on you know, the temperament. You know, yeah. he doesn't have the temperament because why? Maybe Coke, maybe Coke had it right. They really wouldn't want to see the three of us in a room together. No, <laughs> no. I mean, because it's come to the point, you know, to when and I and I've said this publicly. I've even put it put up a disclaimer. You know, and things like that, because people come in my inbox and say, you need to stop cursing. You need to, you know, be more blah, blah, blah. Well, you know what I say to that? Fuck that. Because here it is. Because you get Jerome Bell 100. 100, right? Because I'm a fighter. That's what I am. I'm not I'm, I'm not going to flip flop just because the wind blew blew the other way. You know, I mean, to, to my opinion, that's why Daniel Gate lost. Yeah. Other than being cheated, that's why these uh, some of these other people lost because they flip flopped and the Democrats used that against them in a public venue because it wasn't for masks and nice format and they used it against them, dude. And he flip flopped party. You need we need people that's going to stand up for what they believe in 24 7, seven days a week, regardless of who says it. If I don't believe in the LGBTQ agenda, well, guess what? I don't believe into the LBGTQ or whatever a P agenda. Because that's just who I am, and I don't believe in that. Right. Okay, and you're not going to make me change my mind by calling me homophobic and xenophobic and all that. Because you know what? I I will really reverse that on you in a heartbeat and say the LGBTQ agenda is against the black man and the black family. What you going to say to that? Because I got proof. Yep. I got proof of that. Yep. Okay. So so. So my thing is, I'm going to be me and you can't judge a person just because they're being themselves. Because you know what? That's what people want. We don't want fake anymore. We don't want fake anymore. You know, I don't know. I mean, well, I, if I win, I believe I'm the only candidate that can beat the Democrat. Because you know why? I can go down there where they play at. I can get down and dirty where those Democrats play at. Where you know what? These other people are not going to do it. They're not going to do it because you know what the RPV does? And they did it today. I got proof they did it because you know what? They called Merle after Merle went public. Uh, 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 we sorry. Uh, we're trying to call Liberty University because you know what? Because they look racist. Mm -hmm. And I said in my speech, right? How you beat a Republican, how the Democrats beat a Republican, call them racist and watch their asses run and try to and, and try to uh, convince the world that they're not racist. And you got them beat every single time. And That's how the Democrats win. That's how the Democrats win. I don't care if you're white and you win the nomination, then your ass better be able to goddamn stand that heat when they call you racist. When they call you homophobic, when they call you all these names, you better have a platform. You better have something to, as, as, as to why not and fight against that. Because if you don't, you're beat. You're beat. And here are the facts, man. Um, when you brought up Gade, Gade lost the election at Norfolk State University. Right there. Right. That night. Trump, Trump lost 
his election because black people didn't vote for him. The Republicans just lost the governor, the government, uh, governor gubernatorial election because of what is perceived to be a racist action in Lynchburg. You could take that to the bank. It's news. It's news now. So, 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 so regardless of, you know, like I say, Murrow's status as a bona fide candidate. Yeah. And guess what? I, he didn't have my vote and I said it on the show, but I, if, right. if it's one thing that, and, and he still has won my vote, but the, the issue is this. One thing I can't stand is uh, when someone is being disenfranchised. Mm -hmm. especially um, <laughs> for what is perceived to be uh, racist. I mean, temperament, clothes, car. I mean, wow. And I know that was just a theory slash opinion. Man, I appreciate the fact that you were honest about it, and I'm not judging you for it. Vita. Oh, you're fine, Master. Yeah, yeah but, <laughs> but what the, the issue is that a lot of people share that opinion, especially especially among the uh, establishment and rhino Republicans. Mm -hmm. And that is the reason why a lot of Republicans won't even vote Republican, because Republicans are tired of it. You know? I mean, just bottom line, I mean, go ahead, man. No, I agree 100%. Um, I think I think Madison is, you know, he pretty much hits the nail on the head there. I mean, the biggest issue, again, is um, the fact that we're looking at people uh, from a materialistic standpoint of view. And, and I'm not saying everyone does that. I'm just uh, observing and pointing out on that, you know, observation. And it's unfortunate because I do feel that um, the Democratic Party has figured out a method to uh, really utilize and they've weaponized it against Republicans. Um, and that's one of the biggest things is the fact that, you, you know, you look at the Republican Party as a whole and you're almost instantaneously going to be labeled as either a bigot or a racist or whatever it may be. But the issue here is not so much that the Democrats are weaponizing it against Republicans it is Republicans shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah. You know, so we can't blame we can't even blame the Democrats for weaponizing race when we go out there and blatantly and openly uh, perform acts like what happened in Lynchburg. Drum bells running VAO2, by yeah. the way. Yeah, you know, and so, um, and in the way a lot of uh, black folk view that particular area on top of it, you know, whew, you know, it's just uh, a horrible look. I mean, so I mean, that's just you know, uh, you know, like I say, our opinion from what I see, you know, um, and 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 from what I've experienced, you know, from running last year, you know, last year, you know, taught me a lot, right? Yeah. It, it taught me a lot. And, and, and there's one thing, you know, that I learned from last year um, running is that I can beat anybody because head to head, I would have beat Scott Taylor and, you know, being being first first up and everything. So in this year, you know, people just going to get ran the fuck over. Period. They're going to just get ran over because. One, I know their weaknesses, and two, I already know that they're going to try to throw up some establishment candidate 
even though I'm probably the front runner after last year, you know, and, and, and here's the thing where, where, where the Republicans mess up, right? Here, here, here's where it is. They rather, instead of going with a strong candidate who can actually win, they want to put up a friend. They want to put up an establishment person that they can use, that they can try to manipulate, that they can, you know, that they like as part of their crew instead of backing probably the one person that can win. Republicans do that all the time. Do you see the Democrats doing that? No. They'll put up one person and, and they'll put all the money into that one person. They'll go win and they'll go win. Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, I know they have different, different people running for governor under the Democratic Party. But what did they do? They brought in the guy that, that could probably win. They brought in Terry McAuliffe. Out of the blue, they brought him back because they say, well, none of these people probably can win. So we're going to bring in Terry McAuliffe and all the money going to go to Terry. Yeah, they're going to have a little shing ding. They're probably going to have a little, you know, summer drop out and they're going to have a little primary or whatever. But Terry McAuliffe is going to be the, be their guy. They all know it. They all know who's going to be the guy. Right. Yeah. And so, I mean, but that's just where we mess up here, here, here in, in, in Virginia. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, like I said, I, I, you know, no one has changed my mind off Amanda yet. You know, you know, I've talked to Pete Snyder on the phone. Matter of fact, Glenn Youngkin hadn't called me back yet. I actually reached out to him twice. He hadn't called me back yet to chit chat. You know, Pete's on the phone. You know, we're on the phone constantly, you know, and he's trying to change my mind. That's what he's doing. You know, that's what you do in politics. Right. But um, I mean, you know, so, you know, until we start doing that, you know, until we start, you know, putting people up that can actually win against the Democrat. Damn, who going to win against each other in the primary? We need to put up candidates that's going to win in the Democrats because we've been getting our ass. And we, do, and we do the same thing over and over. We haven't won a statewide race since, what, 2009, right? I think it was 2009 or 2010. 2010, right? Yeah. And, so, I mean, and we keep doing that same playbook, the same playbook over and over and over and over and over, right? Mm -hmm. Why, why, why do we keep using the same playbook? Why, I mean, you know the definition of insanity, right? <laughs> Doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah, yeah. That's oh. uh, Albert Einstein's definition of, of insanity <laughs> was doing the same thing over and over again. I think the biggest issue is is again, and to me, this is just it's it's blatantly obvious. We lack unity. Um, we don't have we don't have unification. And again, we're factioned, and you know we we can't even follow. Things like SEC, they don't even follow Robert's uh, Robert's rules. And you have essentially what's happening is you've got literally a faction over here versus a faction over here. And there might be a couple of little nuances here and there or ideological uh, perspectives that d differ. And then all of a sudden, there's no room for, for a, a compromise. There's no room for a, a happy medium. And so it's creating, again – just more division and it's just convoluted and it's a, it is, it's a huge problem. Um, unfortunately, uh, you know, if someone came to me and asked me, say, Hey, how do you solve this? I wouldn't have a, 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 a finite answer. I'd be like, you know, we need to put pride aside. That's probably one of the biggest issues. Um, and we need to learn how to compromise. We need to learn how to work together because if we don't, we're never going to be able to put ourselves in a position of, of advancing. Matt, I'm glad you said that because we've had some comments, people saying we need unity and we need to all stand behind one candidate. That's a little misguided. 
because now is not the time to stand behind one candidate. Now is time for a fair and evenly distributed primary right. to figure out who the candidate is going to be. And that is when you unify behind one candidate. Correct. So I'm glad, I'm glad you said that the way you did, because there have been comments to that effect that we need to get behind one candidate. Well, hell no, we don't need to get behind one candidate right now. We need to find out what the hell everybody's about. Right. Then we get behind that candidate. Mm -hmm. so, the only way we do that is to hear them all. Exactly. Exactly. Regardless. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think that's, that's, I mean, that needs to happen. Unfortunately, I don't see it happening and yeah. uh, I don't see a, a resolution there, at least an ample one where we can, you know, actually have that occur. And, you know, for me, I, within just the members within the Virginia United page, and we've got, you know, a little over 3000 members, a lot of the, the concerns are right there. It's like, who do we, who do we support? Uh, well, you, you, know, know what do, do, you know what I would do, and I'm not trying to cut you off, but if, oh, if, if I'm an RPV chairman, you know what I would do? I would call up Liberty University and say, if Murrow Rutledge is not invited, none of my candidates will be there. Right. Mm -hmm. Period. That's, that, that's the solution. That's the solution. That's, that's what a leader would do. That's what a real leader would do. None of our candidates for a governor would be at your university unless all of our candidates have the opportunity to be there. Period. And that's the problem. They don't have the balls to do that. Yeah, it's not. It won't happen, unfortunately. And that's, you know, I, I hate to say it like this because it does sound like, you know, the lack there's a lack of, of, of spine here. Um, but I, I grew up on on the, the the old saying of the uh, the weakest Republican is always better than the strongest Democrat. And uh, that that theory or, or mindset is it, it's not to say that the the Republican um, that you potentially were voting for that you may or may not uh, agree with or have wanted to vote for uh, is going to be the best bet. However, even if it is someone who is a weaker link, they're more susceptible for insertion or influence. And if they're, and that can go either way, that can go for us or against us. Um, but, you know, at, at this point in time, you know, I look at it from, from that perspective, it's like, you know, do we, do we all just continually uh, have this divide and, you know, vote for Chase or Snyder or Youngkin or whoever it may be, um, and then definitely guarantee you know, a, a, a democratic win, uh, or do we get behind one individual, even though we might not a hundred percent like or agree with their ideological perspectives and at least have somewhat of a chance to go against McAuliffe. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that's what the, that's what the debates are about at this point, deciding mm -hmm. which candidate is supposed to be, you know, the issue, I don't, I don't understand why the solution seems to be so difficult to arrive at. Yeah. You know, um, now I don't think that Rich has the authority to say that he can withhold people from going to a place and speaking. That's I was alluding to that earlier when I mentioned it, but I don't think that he has the legal grounds to to stop people. That's the reason why I didn't go that far and say it, although it would be a good sentiment. Um, but, you know, the issue is not rallying behind one candidate at this point. The issue is whether or not the people are going to be allowed to hear all the candidates at this point. And what we're seeing is establishment doing the same thing that, that they have been doing, which is uh, they are picking uh, 
what if they have anything to do with it, they'll pick another loser because mm-hmm. that's what they're good at. They're good at losing, and they're going to continue to have Virginia <clears throat> in a state of crises as long as they continue to be allowed to pick losers rather than allowing the people to decide who the champion is. And, you know, the other piece is, you know, I feel sorry, you know, for Jesus, because if he decided to come back, you know, uh, or if he was uh, walking around ministering right now, uh, he'd get thrown out of every town, city or whatever, you know, uh, based off of uh, people's opinions of what someone drives or, what kind of clothes they're wearing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing too. People, people will separate themselves from in the debates. That's how people choose. Okay. Right. People get to hear them. And, 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 and like you say, if Merle don't, doesn't resonate with the people, then he'll separate himself. Yeah. Right. Like I say, the cream oh. rise to the top. Right. But how do you know, that the right cream is rising to the top when all the players aren't even invited. I'm so disappointed. You know, I, I think that on our show, Jerome, you know, we we have fun with the show. You know what I mean? Um, we get out there. Sometimes we use colorful language. Um, you know, we have people on and we uh, we feast on them for having uh, idiotic ideas or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. But this is something that is just so, so very disappointing, you know, uh, to, to have to witness this happening 2021, knowing that we need to be able to show the people that we're moving forward as a party and that we're being all inclusive. Uh, you know, this is not, uh, I'm just very, very disappointed in what I'm seeing. Yeah, I think unfortunately it's a mindset that um, absolutely it's a mindset. That, yeah. yeah, and it's something again that you know unfortunately it's this traditional mindset and it's taking precedence. Um, it's very unfortunate because I, I don't see you know it's like if you wanted to t- touch on racism, you know my my belief is for racism, you know you are not inherently born racist, you are taught it right. right. So. This is something that I think has been taught over time. And I think it's something that needs to, um, you know, I don't, I don't know what the proper word would, would be to, to say this politically correct. Um, but but we don't, we don't don't do politically correct. It it needs, it needs, it's something that needs to, to be unlearned or go away. Um, and, and unfortunately I don't have an answer for that. I think it is, um, I think it is. What's your name again, Marie? Matt. It's Matt. it's it's Matthew. Matt. Matt uh, I I think that it is. I think that the problem that we're running into is that mindset that you're talking about. Uh, you know, when we look at establishment Republicans and these rhinos, and they're advanced in age, the majority of them. Mm-hmm. And that's why on a lot of sh- the past shows, you hear me saying that you know these older people, while we do respect our elders, but it's time for them to move on. Mm-hmm because they're holding us back and these mindsets are destructive you know uh probably my generation and uh maybe a little bit before me were the first generations to actually even perhaps have sleepovers with you know multicultural people you know growing up you know so uh but when you're talking about 60 70 year olds 
uh, they didn't grow up like that. So they, there's no way that they could understand that we are over it. And to have it constantly being thrown back in our face by people that we're literally saying, we love you, but you're getting on our nerves and it's time for you to move on so that we can move forward. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're doing nothing but hindering uh, progress in our country right now, especially yeah. in our state. Yeah, I agree 100%. Yeah. That's all I have to say about it, you know, and I really do respect uh, your opinion and your theories, you know, and I'm glad you said it because people needed to hear it. People need to hear that. Right. Exactly. Yeah. No, no doubt. No doubt. I'm pretty sure, sure that's all, Madison. That's it. That's it. <laughs> For now. For now. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I mean, we appreciate you coming on, Matt. Um, yeah, definitely. Thank I'm you. Giving your, your likes and your opinion, your theory, and you know, and and, and talking to us about you know about it. Um, I hope, I hope Glenn does give you a call back, though. Yeah, he may. He may. We'll see. I hope he does. We'll see. You know, he has the opportunity. Like I say, I give anybody the opportunity. You know, to change my mind. You know, um, I mean, because everybody deserves opportunity, just like you know, I expect anyone to give me the opportunity for me to change their minds as well. I and, like Glenn. Um, you know, so. You know, I, I like what I'm seeing out of Glenn, you know, thus far. Uh, mm -hmm. So um, I, I like his personality. Um, I, I like what I'm seeing as so far as his background. Um, there are some things and nobody's perfect, but um, we'll see. Yeah, it's a long way to go. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Well, Jerome, thank you very much for having me on. I'm going to hop off. Um, okay, if you guys want to utilize, yeah, if you guys ever want to utilize the Virginia United group, feel free to. Um, it's it's open for anyone. Um, and we honestly, to, to be completely transparent, we do not have any kind of discrimination whatsoever. It does not matter politically um, what where you stand either, um, you know, for the for full transparency purposes, we do have a lot of conservative thinkers, however, um, but we have libertarians, we have Democrats uh, that are also within the group. And, and you know, we welcome all uh, perspectives and, and political ideological mindsets. So if you guys want to utilize that platform, you're more than welcome to. All right. Thank you, man. We appreciate yeah. that. All right. Thank you. All right. Thanks, man. Hey, have a good all rest right. of the weekend, Matt. All right. You too. Bye bye. All right. So. Well, that was interesting. Um, you know, uh, I hate the fact that we have to keep on with the same thing over and over and over again. You know, with this, you know, it's like everybody's ready to move forward and get away from this race crap. But then it just comes back again. And then we have to address it. You know, and, you know, it's almost like you want to do what, uh, who was the guy? Morgan Freeman said, you stop talking yeah, about yeah, it. Start, yeah, right. Stop but they're all gone. You know, you can't, you can't just keep doing the same thing over and over again and expect right. for people to just be quiet. I mean, the optics of this is just horrible. No, horrible, man. They're horrible. And you, you, it would be, it would be irresponsible for us not to say something about Yep. How ridiculous this looks, yep. and and feels, right? You know, so, uh, you know and, and, and I don't agree with Meryl. 
you know, his stance. You know what I mean? But the, right. that's not the issue. That's not the issue. You know what I mean? It is. It, you cannot continue to do the things that you're doing and expect to win. Right. It's well, it's like, you know, the Democrats will use that. Well, yeah, and I mean, it's just, you can't yeah. you can't stand up here and say we're not racist when you keep shooting yourself in the damn foot. Mm hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's supposed to be a Judeo-Christian uh, heavily influenced party. Well, there's nothing about that that says anything about it. And Liberty University, being a Christian university, to discriminate against someone because of the car that they drive, or you know, because of the color of their language, or because of the the clothes that an individual wears, is absolutely ridiculous. That sounds that sounds completely liberal. Yes, it does. You know, and and, and but they want to be perceived as being conservative. I get it. Yep. But that, that that's a liberal mindset to exclude someone in the manner that they are doing. Right. I mean, you can't, I mean, the leadership at Liberty has changed. Right. Yep. Absolutely. When his son took over, they went, started going down. Yep. Yeah. I and mean, Jamie makes a good point. Ultimately it's the elite choosing the elite in their control. And, you know, and as, and, you know, and those are facts, man. I mean, you know, because they understand, you know, regardless of which one of them, and when I say them, we're talking about the elitists, right? The establishment right. or at least whichever one of them get the nomination, it's still one of them, right? Right. And so they still have that control because ultimately they're going to feel the same way about a lot of things, right? Right. You no, know? Paul, we're not going to bring you back, Paul. And so, and I'll show, I mean, and so, I mean, when that happens, they're pretty much guaranteed a certain system because it's one of them, you know, right. like, I mean, because like it is, man, you know, you mentioned Trump and everything, right? Trump wasn't one of them. That's why you had the Republican never Trumpers. You had the Democrats never Trump. You had all these people. That was going after Trump and didn't want Trump to be because he was an outsider. That's what made Trump special, right? Because he's an because he was an outsider. Yeah, he's a fighter. He had money. He had this, but he wasn't a politician. He wasn't one of those politicians that was an insider. So that's why you had both factions and both sides going at him, and you had these people that backstab him in the back in the end, right? And mm -hmm. I stand up, you know, and, you know, and, it's, and because what now? They're having trials about fraud. You know, the judges said that um, Arizona have to turn over their machines. You know, so they're having all these things down in Georgia that have been investigated. And you, you're having people getting fired from these election commissions in Fulton County in Georgia because there was fraud. Right. And it was blatant fraud and people know it. But these people that's supposed to defend the Constitution of the United States that was in the Senate, that's in the House, they voted to not challenge that because they didn't want trouble or because they said, oh, because of what happened at the Capitol, whatever the, 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 the lie was. The, the fact is, is that none of them, never Trumpers, wanted Trump to have the power that he had because guess what he was doing? And it happens. Guess what he was doing? He was bringing the people together. Yeah, he was. He was bringing the, he was changing minds 
of black people. He was changing minds of white people. He was changing minds of Democrats, of libertarians. He was changing minds. And he was bringing the people together. Trump got over 80 million votes. I don't care what they said, right? He had 64 million the first election. He had, over, he had 80. They say technically 76 million, which was still a 12 million vote change more than any other president in the history of the United States. So that means he was changing minds and he was bringing people in because you know what? Because it was an America first agenda. And these people that were against Trump, these people that did not stand up for the constitution, they know it was blatant fraud, are all traitors and they need to all go because they're, they're the problem. They're the problem. Right. Right. So anyway, I guess with that last monologue, we'll finish up. Unless anybody got anything to say, Levita got to go recover from her marathon last night. <laughs> she, she had this marathon show. But um, right, right, right. There you go, Jeff. An outsider that didn't take the shit because they didn't need their money. Those are facts. Yep. Those are facts, man. They didn't need their money, you know. And that's the problem. You know, and that's the problem with, you know, <laughs> yeah. having some of these guys, man, because I don't see, I, I mean, I don't see any of these guys with the money. You know, I don't care if you got money. Okay, that's fine. You got the money, right? You know, you can buy some stuff, buy some extra commercial time. But I don't, I don't see these guys as fighters, man. You know, these guys as running, you know, the guy, I, I, right now, I just don't see them as fighters. You know, I see Amanda Chase more of a fighter because guess what? They're all against her. You know what I mean? Right now, they're all against her, and she seems to be the only one punching back and the only one fighting. You know, regardless of what you may think think about her, she's really the only one fighting. Mm. Be some more people fighting if Mark's M Mark was here tonight. Jeff's lucky he ain't. Oh yeah, <laughs> right. All uh, right, yeah, yeah. I'm waiting to hear his speech too. I want to hear that too, Annie. For sure. And Annie's Canadian. Annie lives in Canada. And she Annie is more American than freaking some of these Americans that we have here. You know, and she's and she's in Canada, man. You know, well, love Canadian Annie. Canadians are going through it right now, though. I yes. Mean, yes, they are, man. Yeah. Yeah. They need to get that dude out, man. They need to get um well um, he's, he's butt buddies with Biden, you know, that whole liberal yeah. party, you know, they're yeah. in lockstep. So yeah, facts. Facts, man. So she needs to be the only bold one. Yeah. yeah I mean, right now, I mean, and, and that's pretty much why they hate her. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, all right, I'm going to end this, man. We went for two hours, but we had a couple of guests, which is cool. It's actually still not our longest show, though. So, you yeah. know, uh, we're still popping out. Hey, man, thank y'all. We appreciate y'all. Appreciate everybody. Appreciate our guest, Paul Davis. Thank you, Matt. Thank you very much, man, Virginia Marine, for coming on, man, sharing your perspective, you know, um, you know giving people, you know, something else to think about, uh, you know, as far as what the RPV and what may be happening, you know, on this on this front. And, uh, hey, man, share this show. Get this show out. Let everybody see this show, man, because I think it was important um, for everyone to see this show tonight. All right. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, because like like Madison said, we're trying not to talk about it. Right. 
You know, and, I mean, and you heard me even say in this show, I don't think there's a racism problem in America. Racists do exist. I don't think there's a racism problem. But then we get some shit like this thrown in our face when we're trying not to talk about it. And then, hey, you know, we have to talk about it, right? <laughs> you know, unfortunately, you know, so um, thank y'all. Peace to y'all, man. Love y'all. You know, I'm trying to get this. I'm trying to send us out right because, you know, we need a little bit. Need a little bit tonight. Need, need some lift me up, man. That was yeah, a, I know, right? That's what, I'm, that's what I'm trying to find, man. Yeah, that was uh, depressing. Depressing. Okay, I'm playing. Okay, all right. All right, here we go. 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 I'm going to go out like this tonight. Um, we're going to go out like this. Not the jazz. Hold on. Let me find it. Hey, y'all. I'm out, y'all. All right, then. Well, holla. Uh, no, no, I can't find it, man. What's up with this? Wait a minute. Dang, what's happening to my playlist? My playlist is jacked, y'all. Hold up. We got all these people coming in, man. They throwing my playlist off. Yeah, they are. <laughs> they are, Annie. Um, one of my best mates actually is uh, in Canada. We talk just about every day. And... Um, I know you guys are going through it up there. Oh, let me see, Siri. <clears throat> hey, Siri, play all of the lights. Let me, let me see if Siri can do it for me. Here's all of the lights no. by Kanye West. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> right, here we go. We're going out. We're going out. Since you mentioned Kanye, we're going to go down some Kanye tonight. Man, so we appreciate y'all, man. Y'all, y'all be cool. And I'm gonna have a good weekend. Be safe out there. Hey, stand up for your rights. You losing rights, man. Stand up for your rights. Let's do it. Take care, everybody. Take care, y'all. Peace. Peace. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for coming, man. Yeah. Later, Jeff. You're welcome. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Kathy. Appreciate it. Thanks, Steven. Thank you, man. Appreciate you.